Brandon Lee is Jake Lowe. He wasn't looking for trouble. He saw me But it found him anyway. The Chicago branch of La Cosa Nostra. He hasn't pulled the trigger in 15 years. And you, my friend, were there to see it. Now, he's a witness. We'll be under 24-hour FBI protection. So who else is testifying against this guy? Who's about to become a target. Fight fire uh, is with fire. Get uh, out of here. Uh, I think I've had enough police protection. Rapid fire. At the face. Welcome to the latest edition of Real Early. I'm your host, Larry Sternshine. On today's episode, I'm joined by my good friend, Andy Gorham, where we talk about the 1992 Brandon Lee action movie, Rapid Fire. Now, this episode is a little bit different than what you normally hear. I've decided to do some episodes where instead of a free-flowing sort of history of a person's uh, love with movies... I thought I would talk to them about a particular movie of them growing up that resonated with them to help them become the movie fan that they are. That way, I can actually have people back on that I've had before and also have new people on that you know, might just want to talk about a movie and don't feel like going through like their whole history or if it's just an easy way for them to sort of get to the space of recording this episode. I had a great time doing this. I hope you guys really enjoy this. I will definitely be doing more of these type of episodes. So if there's anybody out there that wants to talk about a favorite movie of their childhood that helped them become the movie fan they are, I'd love to have you on. But in the meantime, please enjoy this episode with my good friend Andy Gorham. You're going to have a great time. So please stick around. We'll be right back. Andy, thank you for joining me on Real Early. Oh, no, Larry, thank you for having me, man. It's really, I've been listening since you started it, so it's great to be a part of the illustrious uh, people you've had on here. Yeah, man, thank you for doing it. Um, I mean, we've been friends for quite a while now, and uh, mm-hmm. I always like having my friends on, because this is a great way to get to learn somebody. I get to learn about you. Oh, totally. And then for all of us other people listening, we can get to know more about our friends when we don't get a chance to talk like in-depth like this. So. Of, of course. Uh, so before we begin, you made an announcement on Twitter um, that you're going to start your own Star Wars podcast with a friend of ours. Can you tell us a little bit about the podcast so to get people excited <laughs> about it? Yeah, sure. Um, it was a surprise to me because uh, it was actually um, Chris Barreras, our buddy. He had that podcast before COVID hit, and I guess it just kind of fizzled out, which, you know, unfortunately that can happen. And then last week with uh, the uh, Star Wars 
um, celebration going on and all the different trailers and news coming out. Uh, we were super geeked about that. Um, we had also recorded like two weeks prior to that talking about John Wick four and it was our first time recording together and we just had an absolute blast. So he uh, wrote me and said, Hey, I'm thinking about starting this up again. What do you think about joining me on this? So we started talking about things we can do, things we can talk about, like top, top five episodes, this or that. We can talk about other Lucasfilm projects. So it just kind of was exciting. And then Chris put a little poll out there and we got incredible response to that. So we're going to be doing that starting around June. I think we're going to aim to record and kind of polish some things and get things ready so we can put it out. I'm very excited for that just because uh, I like to support my friends and Star Wars is a pretty great franchise. I like how someone once mentioned on Twitter, they're like, oh, the, the geeks are no longer in charge of Star Wars. I'm like, it's the most like successful movies of all time. It's There's there's so many different types of people that want to talk and listen to Star Wars. So I think your show is going to do quite well. Um, but for those who want to know more about it, where can they find out now so they can be ready for when it starts? Of course. Let me make sure I get it right, because Chris actually started a Twitter page for us. Um, it is... Imperial Scum is the name of the podcast, but on Twitter, it is at Scum Imperial. Um, so, yeah, you can go there and you can look for all the different news and things we have coming out on that. And um, Yeah, we're going to kind of get the podcast rolling, get comfortable recording with each other, and then eventually bring friends like you and others on to talk about Star Wars with us and nerd out. So, yeah, it'll be a I good look, time. I look forward to that. Now, is Star Wars something that's always been a big part of your life? Yes, Star Wars is probably the longest love affair I've had. <laughs> I always joke with that, and my wife loves it. Um, it's kind of the first thing I can remember seeing and like remembering in terms of film or entertainment that kind of stuck with me. Um, so my cousin, who's about nine years older than me, he had all the toys and everything. So when I got to be old enough, I got all of his toys gifted to me because he moved on to, you know, girls in college and whatnot. But um so yeah, and he kind of turned me on to Star Wars, and it's just been a fixture of my life ever since. So, mm -hmm. was it? Um, did you get the toys first, or did you had seen Star Wars? So you know what it was, right? I I saw Empire Strikes Back, and that's the thing I can remember seeing first. And then, as he was leaving for school and stuff, I got the toys gifted. Um, I had some of my own that my parents had bought here or there, but uh, um, yeah, so. Movie first, toys second. I had a few Star Wars toys. Toys. I didn't have that many, but I remember having the Rancor pit with the giant uh -huh. Rancor because I saw was lucky enough to see Jedi in theaters when it first ran. My my parents went. I vividly remember the Rancor because you know that's a giant monster. So I was mm -hmm. like, I got to get the toy. That was my favorite toy of all the Star Wars toys that I had. But I, you know, you look back now, you're like, man, I wish I would have kept some of those toys. Oh, trust me. I have a friend that's putting an entire set together of the old Kenner line. And yeah, so I'm kind of living or collecting vicariously through him because I've moved on to different stuff. My wife has allowed me to do like, you know, one six scale figures, but I can't get into collecting vintage stuff. <laughs> yeah, that's that's definitely a, a thing that you need to plan out, you know, because mm -hmm. you got a budget for that kind of stuff. You just can't just go like in it without budgeting, especially when you've got wife and kids. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, the things that we do without wife and kids. But then again, I wouldn't have the same life I had. So, yep. <laughs> so where exactly did you grow up? 
Uh, I grew up in uh, Michigan, a little town called Waltz or uh, New Boston. They're kind of right next to each other. Um, nobody knows what it is. People always think when I'm saying New Boston, they think it's like New Baltimore because there is a big, a bigger city there. But um, grew up there, but I spent most of my time in kind of uh, the Southwest Michigan side. So Michigan raised, born and bred. What's better, Old Boston or New Boston? I only know New Boston, and there's no real accents in New Boston. So I would no, say. there's there's probably the Michigan accent, which is just like an Illinois accent where I'm from. That's true. We do have our own accent. I'm like, oh, we're just happy all the time, but we're not because because winter lasts way way too long. So growing up there, and you have a lot of winter, you're probably inside a lot. So was mm-hmm. movies always something that was a a big part, like when you were growing up, or was movies later no 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 movies were there from kind of the get-go um like movies and then saturday morning cartoons were kind of the big things for me so um but yeah movies uh like i said star wars first and foremost but then i remember my mom's best friend that we called uh aunt mary gave us a tape and she recorded uh return of the jedi and then after it was um, the Karate Kid. Talk okay. about one of the best V. Talk about one of the best VHS tapes you could be gifted because I could just watch Return of the Jedi and into Karate Kid. And the Karate Kid, strangely enough, is kind of what started my love affair with martial arts and like action movies. Even though it's not really an action movie, it's martial arts through and through. So it kind of got me turned on to that. I took various styles throughout my childhood. Nothing nothing long-term or nothing serious until I got to be about 20, 26, 27. And I started training hardcore up here and I've been training the last 15 years. So. Yeah. So you're, you're one of the more badass guests I've had on the show. Cause you could actually uh, do some atas or something, right? Uh, I, I don't consider myself a badass. I would talk myself out of anything. And the only, the only thing I've used in my 15 years of martial arts training is when I've slipped and fallen on ice, I haven't broken anything because I've landed like we've been taught to fall. So, hey. I'll that's actually that a great, win. that's a great skill to actually learn because I, I will fall all the time <laughs> and I have no sense of balance, which is luckily I haven't done anything too bad, but um, good. Uh, so that Return of the Jedi and Karate Kid tape is actually kind of interesting when I think about it because they kind of work together. Empire probably works slightly better, but they both mm-hmm. have that you know trainer trainee thing. Was yep. was did that um, that sort of like uh, character work kind of inspire you a little bit to like seek out other somebody else to like train you in the martial arts? <sighs> Yeah, kind of. I think the more, I, I mean, who didn't want their own, you know, uh, Mr. Miyagi after seeing the Karate Kid. Um, but uh, actually what it is, it kind of helped me find other friends that liked martial arts and then by that martial arts movies. So kind of goes on from Karate Kid to like um, uh, no retreat, no surrender, you know, some couple B movies here and there. And then, you know, Bruce Lee, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then what we're going to talk about here in a bit. So when you were watching uh, movies mm-hmm. on VHS, like you were, I don't know how old you are actually. So you were probably born in the eighties or not alive in the eighties, I should say, right? Yep. 19. Yep. 1980. I, I turned 43 this year. Okay. All right. So you're, you're not that much older than me. So you, 
remember the VHS. Did you have cable too growing up? Were you we, lucky enough to have cable? We were lucky enough to have cable. USA USA Network would have Black Belt Theater on Saturdays. So I remember seeing just random, you know, Bruce Lee clone movies and stuff like that. But yep, cable and VHS. And thankfully, we had a local VHS mom and pop store that we'd always go in. And on like a Thursday or Friday, my mom would take us after school, let us rent something for the weekend and and you know take it back Sunday. So do you remember the name of the mom and pop store by chance? <sighs> no, I don't. I, unfortunately, because it was when I, I was too young to think about the name of it. I just wanted to go. Um, it it was actually part of a grocery store too, as well. You remember, you know? So yeah, I had a grocery store that sold via rented VHS tapes. Yeah. Yep. And a gas and, station, weirdly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And these were the cool ones where they had those like uh, plastic shell cases where they could put the actual cover art yes. in. God, I, I love those so much because I could take it home and just stare at the cover art the whole time. So, do you know what's funny is uh, Vinegar Syndrome, they're actually selling uh, plastic cases you could put on like DVDs and Blu rays and whatnot to, for collectors, which I find something that reminds me of like what you were saying there back in the day is when you can rent those plastic sleeves. I'm like, oh, what's, mm-hmm. what's old becomes new again, I suppose. Always. Yeah, well, I suppose. <laughs> brings back a lot of a lot of memories of just going to the video store and looking at the different box art and being like, I want to see that movie because that guy's doing a spin kick. You know? Exactly. And then then you you get get home and that that image wasn't even on that was on the box, wasn't even on the movie half the time. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I've I've noticed this a lot with a lot of current DVDs for like um low budget stuff. You'll see the same person crawling on the floor. There's like 20 <laughs> DVDs, the same image. It kind of reminds me of back then. Um, so you had the Karate Kid. That was a big one for you. Mm-hmm. And you had, was it Black Belt Theater? That was uh, USA? Yep. Right. I had Samurai Sunday on the local channel in Chicago on channel 66, which it feels like an old UHF joke almost. <laughs> um, Samurai Sundays was great because the very first martial arts movie I ever saw was... Uh, the five deadly venoms and uh that was just like like blew my mind because they started off with like the toad thing and like all the different stuff like that and i was like man this is like really cool and i want to watch more of this stuff uh what, what was like the first like hardcore martial arts movie like that that you remember seeing yeah um I still can't find it, but I remember on Black Belt Theater there was a movie. I've been told it's Fist of the Lo- uh, Fist of the White Lotus, or uh, no, sorry, um, um, Executioners of uh, Shaolin with Gordon Liu. But I remember it being a Bruce Lee clone, and he was he jumped on somebody's shoulders and he used his fingers and like hit their temples, and it made a weird like um, uh, uh, coin slot machine sound like you know jackpot type thing because and I, I just i remember that to this day but i'd say the first hardcore was probably enter the dragon on usa i remember going through the channels with my dad and it was towards the end where bruce lee just gets the chucks for the first time and you see that and you're not turning away oh yeah nunchucks is like one of those fun weapons you see and you don't see him as much anymore except for like John Wick 4 when he busts <laughs> yep. out those nunchucks he starts beating the crap out of those dudes that scene was awesome and oh, but phenomenal the, but like Bruce Lee was just like the like the guy that inspired like a whole generation 
of like martial arts fans, martial artists, um, like even like starting a career like Jackie Chan and stuff like that. Like, like seeing him for the first time must have just been a revelation. Oh, it, it was unlike anything I'd seen before. Cause you know, you go from karate kid and a few other, you know, like, uh, uh, Jim Cotta was also a big one for me. I know it's so I love cheesy, but I love Jim Cotta. I can watch that scene in the middle of the town of crazies. I was like, why is there a pommel horse here? <laughs> I you know what I love about the Robert Klaus movies is the huh? sound effects. Like the way oh. the punches, the kick sound, like unlike any other movie. Nope. Or they're maybe. like, they're like, yeah, they're like rockets going off. It's so yeah, cool. Great. Um, yeah. So you see Bruce Lee, you see this guy that's like chiseled out of like granite, um, who's super fast, the, you know, charismatic beyond belief. Um, and like, you, that's who you aspire to be, even if they don't want to do martial arts, like that's like peak human physical ability. So now when you started martial arts, was that, um, uh, did you discover martial arts after, or did you start martial arts after Bruce Lee or was that like the same time? Uh, that was a little before. Cause I started after I saw, um, the karate kid. So we did a little like Tang Sudo style that was in a little small strip mall. And it just, it, there was something weird, weird about it. And my dad, after like a couple of months just said, I think we're done here. <laughs> and then like two weeks later, the place was gone and we didn't know where they were. So, oh, um, one of those places, gotcha. One of those places. That's, yeah. that's what, that's what they call a scam. That's what they call a scam. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, thankfully we only paid class by class. So my dad didn't sign us up for like months at a, at a time. He was not a very yeah, good. Scam. He was smart. Not, no, not a good one at all. Then a couple of years later, we had a little like summer cottage about an hour away from where our home was hour and a half. And we found a um, like serious Taekwondo place out there. And I went all summer, like three or four days a week, um, learned Kata, did some, some sparring. I was bigger obviously. So I got put in the adult class and I remember when we were picking sparring partners, everybody else quickly picked, who they were with. And this like green belt came up to me and was like, all right, buddy, you're with me. And I said, okay. And then we bowed and he was like one of the Cobra Kai guys, you know, the, the super uh, blonde guy, like we're bowing and he's hopping up and down and he's ready to attack. And I was like, what, what is, and then afterwards, everybody told me none of the black belts want to spar with this guy. He's psychopath. <laughs> Look, and uh, did you learn anything from that guy? Uh, I learned not to be a douchebag to people that you're going to train with. <laughs> See, I think that's should always be rule number one. Don't be a Cobra Kai douchebag. Yes, correct. Um, so, you know, you, you're obviously a big fan of movies and whatnot. So were you watching a lot of action films at this time too? Yes. Yep. I was uh, lucky enough that my grandmother would take, because there was, you know, she would take one of us every other week or so to go stay over at her house. I could get pizza and she would just let me go and rent two or three movies and just, just kind of chill out with me. But then she'd go to bed and I could stay up to the all hours of night watching. So we're talking blood sport. We're talking any sort of Bruce Lee movie I can find there. Um, any other DTV late eighties, early nineties stuff. So Chuck, uh, Chuck, Chuck Norris, Don, the dragon Wilson, that's when it started to really expand. And I was just like, there's so much more out there than just Bruce Lee, even though Bruce Lee's the cream of the crop. These other, you know, actors all offered something different. So, yep, I was watching action movies as much as I could. My grandma was 
very similar. I would go to her house and we like on the way there, my mom would get me to the West Coast video, which is what we I'd go in there, I would just rent whatever movie it was. Like uh, for example, Last Boy Scout. I remember renting the Last Boy Scout, mm-hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite movies. You know, going to the house and just, you know, like we'd hang out, do whatever a grandson or grandmother does, and then they watch their shows, and then I just like pop in my VHS tape and just like watch all these great movies. A lot of great memories with with my grandma watching those yep. movies. Um, so the the thing that I you know I was gonna do, you know, is try to talk about like movies that are like really important to somebody. Mm-hmm. And you know, originally we were like we're talking about Karate Kid, but then you were like, you know, I want to talk about Rapid Fire. So tell me the first time that you discovered the 1992 Brandon Lee vehicle, Rapid Fire. Okay, yes. I the reason I I switched gears and want to talk about Rapid Fire. Number one, we were all kind of talking about it the last few weeks on uh, Twitter. It came up and stuff like that with uh, you know the with Brandon Lee's uh, birthday and things like that. So. Um, but it was the first movie I can remember, like following when I heard about it, because I had seen, you know, Showdown in Little uh, Little Tokyo, loved it. And Brandon Lee was in it. You know, of course, we've said it before. We're of a generation that we saw movies way too young, but we also saw them at the right ages for us. <laughs> so, yeah, for sure. um, so I got to kind of follow Rapid Fire. I remember seeing like one of those like entertainment tonight and it was like coming soon and it was a you know it showed rapid fire and it was brandon lee and i specifically remember the scene of him fighting when he's got the suit on and he does like the two muay thai kicks to the guy and then he guy catches his leg and he does the cool front you know round uh roundhouse kick with your leg trapped and they fall off the little ledge i was sold so i was able to kind of follow the movie from like inception to where i first found it to going to the talking my, my parents into going to the theater and seeing it when it came out so i actually saw it opening opening weekend wow that's that's pretty cool uh because i saw the poster that was the first time i knew this movie existed and i you know knew what brandon lee was from showdown in little tokyo which is a great movie it's like 80 minutes long it filled with just like fun fights and quips and giant dicks and all sorts of stuff (laughs) (laughs) and uh um but that's that's how i first found out about this movie uh, but I was not smart enough to go see in the theaters, so that was that was pretty cool of you to to be able to see that, get that experience on the big screen. Yep. You know, do, and then do, I was. Do, were there a lot of people there? Was it packed? Were people excited? Uh, it seemed like it. Yeah, it was one of those where yeah we and this was back when you had to get there early to get a seat because you oh, wanted a good yes. seat. Because I hate those days. <laughs> <laughs> I know we are so coddled now when i'm like oh they don't have seat j13 or j5 that's my seat and so so uh yeah but i remember the theater being very packed and i remember even my parents afterwards going that was great so you know i think it had a lot of cross appeal to a lot of different people so yeah it was um i think it was a medium-sized hit i didn't Mm -hmm. really look through the box office because like whatever it's 1992 who cares but um I, I think what I like about the movie is if when you look at it now and you think of some of the movies that you saw back then, it was very different than mm-hmm. some of like the DTV and stuff. Um, because 
Oh my god, my dog is ridiculous. Anywho, like they're the fights were choreographed by Jeff Amata and Brandon Lee. Yeah, they were. My dog's ridiculous. I'm not any of this stuff out, by the way. People have to deal with it. But um it was by Brandon Lee and Jeff Amata, and they definitely were like, we I mean Brandon Lee did a Hong Kong movie, you know, so he had that sensibility. So the fights just feel more Hong Kong than some of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you do kind of feel that way when you watch the movie to think it like what why does do you think the fight scenes stand out yeah um now that i'm now that i'm older and experienced a lot of the movies that influenced brandon lee um when he was making it of course yeah the, there's just there's a, a kinetic energy to the fights that um that van damme and seagal and like chuck norris just didn't have like um, there's just, it, it's a little bit, and I know it won't matter to the people listening cause they can't see us, but when he's fighting the, the two, um, uh, FBI agents in the motel and he kicks the door in the one dude's face and the guy kind of squares up and all he does is just, he does this little short thing where he kind of goes like, <laughs> sure buddy. And he like gets ready. And it's just something little like that, that he added little flourishes to, um, he used his environment more. Um, which of course other guys didn't do. And it just seemed like he, he was literally fighting for his life because he was supposed to be just this, you know, college student whose dad was a, you know, military man. So he's trained in martial arts since he was a kid. Um, but it just, yeah, there was something about it that you can you definitely feared for him and his skill is what got him through it and his resourcefulness. So. My, my experience watching the movie was kind of cool too, because I had just started getting into Hong Kong movies, like in, 92, I saw The Killer for the first time on VHS. And then uh, I was on Prodigy, which is like the old dial of internet service, right? And uh, like you, it's like you can find other people of similar tastes. It's, I don't know what happened, but I found some dude who's like, oh, I'm going to send you some VHS tapes. So I got like Drunken Master 2 and Play Story 3. Like he just happened on VHS, you know, dubbed it. And um, so I get to watch like, like this stuff. And then when you see rapid fire, you're like, you're like, you're expecting, you know, just like punches and kicks. But like this time there was actual choreography that reminded me of that, of the Jackie Chan's and um, stuff like lifted from Jackie Chan movies or even in that, like the scene where he's on the motorcycle running through the glass. Like that's mm-hmm. totally from police story. Yep. Um, that's why I, I feel like that's why that movie rapid fire holds up better than a lot of the other martial arts movies before it at the you know at the time especially now like you watch stuff you're like like they don't even choreograph and shoot action scenes that well now which is right. kind of amazing yeah you know what uh, what's your favorite fight scene in that movie by the way favorite fight scene is brandon versus uh the best henchman in all of cinema history al leong it's just um i love the trapping aspect of it i've watched that more than any other fight scene i think in my entire life just that little 35 second blip where you know after brandon kicks him off the table and he does the little you know spinning uh spinning crescent kick and he lands in just some quick little wing chun trapping it's so cool it was it blew my mind back then and it still blows my mind to this day so that's probably my my favorite fight all right so you mentioned trapping can you kind of explain that a little bit because i have no idea what you're talking about Oh yeah. Like the, the hands trapping. So when somebody punches and you're trapping and blocking all at the same time and kind of flowing with them. 
So you see when that fight, when he's like punching brand is not only just blocking and doing a real stiff block and then punching him afterwards, he's kind of blocking and trapping and kind of moving his hands around with it to strike the guy in a very fluid manner. So it's not so much like old school, like karate blocks, like, you know, where it's a stiff block this way and stiff block that way. It's just very circular motions and like just kind of taking the path of least resistance to strike them. And I just love seeing that. Like he catches his arms and redirects it down to the guy's stomach and just things you weren't seeing in, you know, us fight scenes back then. Yeah. That's uh, interesting too, because like when I think of L young, he's, you know, he's just like the henchman dude and die hard and lethal weapon and stuff. And you're like, mm-hmm. man has skills and he did some like low budget DTV stuff where he gets to be like a good guy occasionally. But like, I, I, I kind of wish he would have had more of an opportunity to kind of show what he can do, you know, yeah. just cause like that fight scene is, is pretty remarkably done. And I think yeah. there's a lot of stuff you can learn from that fight and use that now, you know, oh, totally. to, to, to make it, you know, cause like I look at some of these, these action scenes now and it's just, there's just too much cutting and I think they do too much movement. And I, and I feel like, like this one, like it was still very compact when they're doing this stuff really quick, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it, I think it's very cinematic and, you know, I might not even know what I'm talking about. I've never taken martial arts in my life, except for like two weeks when I was a kid back around the crowd of kid days. But, uh, you know, I watched a lot of martial arts movies. I know it looks pretty badass and, Exactly. No, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, the only thing Aaron was saying it on this past, you know, week's art of, you know, art of action is real martial arts while it's great and all, and it's wonderful if that's what you want to do, it it doesn't automatically translate to being a a great screen fighter and stuff like that. And you don't have to have had years of formal training to know what to do cinematic fights or cinematic action, because they're two different things. So you've been watching it as long as I have. So you have as much knowledge as I do on it. Man. So, yeah, you know, it's funny. I was, t- uh, I forgot who I was talking about. It was probably on a- action for everyone or maybe someone else, but they brought up where a lot of these direct to video action films with like Don Wilson, like these guys are incredible real life fighters and they try to make their fights like realistic. Mm-hmm. And while it has, there's a place for that kind of stuff. It's like kind of boring. Like, let's bring a little bit of a pizzazz to the fight scenes. And I think, you know, in 1992, Rapid Fire definitely brought the pizzazz, you know. And I, and I think, like I said before, Brandon Lee worked in a, did a, a Brown of You Legacy of Rage Hong Kong mm-hmm. picture. And um, so I think that has a lot to do with why this movie just feels different. Yeah, even though that movie doesn't have a lot of martial arts action in it, it has a lot of Hong Kong style action. And I think Brandon took that kind of how it was filmed and kind of brought that to the fight scene. So there is just just like a very kinetic way of moving. He's always moving around in the in the frame, but it's, you know, it's done for a particular reason. His kicks look great. Um, he, I mean, the camera loves the guy. As soon as he walks onto the screen when he's riding his you know motorcycle, I was like, has anybody looked as cool as Brandon Lee in a jacket and jeans? Like, I mean, a biker jacket? No. <laughs> uh, I let's talk about Brandon Lee for a minute here. Um, yeah, please do. Like, he's a handsome dude, just a ton of charisma, and unfortunately, I lost him like way too soon, and way too soon. it really bums me out. But 
obviously. But I was thinking, what would have been really cool? Like, as much as I love Kehui Kwan and everything everywhere all at once, could you imagine if that was Brandon Lee in that role too? Like, stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, those are the yeah. stuff we missed out on, yep. unfortunately. The Matrix, I often thought that as much as I love Keanu Reeves, like, there's an actual deep fake going around on YouTube of Brandon Lee's face on his body in the Matrix. And, you know, it's just one of those things where you're like, yeah, it, guess what? The Matrix was going to be amazing, whatever. And I loved it, what we got. But there's always a little part of me that goes, if that was Brandon Lee, it'd be even better. <laughs> I was listening to that Action for Everyone with Aaron Vargas. And he said something that I really like to hear when he said, one of the things that he also wants to focus on when he does his stunts is to make things, everything safe. And I think, unfortunately, one of the legacies of Brandon Lee's death is hopefully we learn from that. Now, unfortunately, we did have an incident not that long ago where somebody with firearms, um, but it just kind of shows you the importance of safety on, on set. So I think, we can learn a lot from Brandon Lee as from that way and from also just how important it is to, you know, just have that screen presence mm-hmm. on, on there that he had. And there, yeah, there's some, a lot of screen presence in this movie. A lot of screen presence. Like I, I was, I was watching it this past weekend again, just to kind of prep for this. And my wife leaned over and she goes, this again, huh? I was like, yep, yeah, but who who doesn't want to hear Powers Booth say sons of bitches better than anybody else in the history of cinema? <laughs> yeah, the 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 movie is uh co-written by Alan B. McElroy, who has done like a ton of movies that like we've all seen and stuff before. But like there's a lot of like great dialogue in the film, and I think Brandon Lee and the rest of them just are able to make all even if it's like kind of cheesy, it just sort of works. Um but like you said, too, Powers Booth is in it. I think he's usually the bad guy, and it's kind of fun to see him play a good guy with maybe not so many good morals. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what, what is your favorite thing about Powers Booth in this movie? Yeah, my favorite thing is I love the bowling scene where he's you know constantly trying to hit that same pin over and over again, and then finally he just gets pissed off and shoots it. <laughs> do you know that's an actual bowling alley in chicago it's very famous called the fireside bowl really uh, yeah they used to have punk concerts there um punk bands would play there it's now it's just a bowling alley again but like i know i never i never went i was never cool i was never in the music scene in chicago i was a big giant dork uh but i have friends that were and they they sound crazy so like to see like them just like that's their top <laughs> It out is like so weird. <laughs> undercover group just is hanging out in a bowling alley. <laughs> They're like, do they not know that there were bands playing there at night? Like, they must have been like, like, and everyone there was like, oh, they must be narcs. <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm looking at the cast too. It's a pretty stacked cast of 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 good actors and whatnot. Um, Nick Mancuso, he's smarmy in this film. Super like, smarmy. I know what I love about the bad guys in this movie. There's two, right? There's Nick Mancuso and there's Sima, and they mm-hmm. have they're like so opposites. And it's like, how could they have possibly ever work together? Like you knew one of them was going <laughs> to kill the other one at some point, right? Totally. Yeah, Sima seems kind of like he's he's that kind of old school uh, 
Kung Fu bad guy that has his kind of his moral compass, but it only in, includes the people that are in his, you know, uh, nefarious organization. And then, you know, Mancuso just comes and I love when he just, you know, they're like friendly at first because they have this history, but then it really goes south really fast. And then, you know, Mancuso like doubled down by just leaning forward and spitting on the ground where he, you know, where Tiamat's, you know, like bases and then it just escalates from there. And, and yeah, and he's, yeah, there, the cast is, is a murderer's row of kind of nineties character actors that just show up and make any movie better. In my opinion, it, it really goes to show that a, an action movie can always be elevated when you get actors that take it seriously, that it's like, it's a, a job to them and they do the job really well. Like, um, like you can like put together this movie with just like, just dudes, but it wouldn't have that sort of, uh, the gravitas that this movie actually has in a lot of these scenes. Cause like, they're all really good character actors. And even somebody like Tony Longo, who, you know, the, the, the henchman who I always remember from, heavy. <laughs> from first and 10 and last boy scout are the two things I know that guy, <laughs> yeah. you know, just like just so many recognizable people in it that really elevate the, the film. The only, the one thing though, that always disappointed me now looking back is that Dustin DeGuyan didn't, get to do any martial arts in the movie yeah i didn't get to really do it. he just got to annoy brandon lee's character so that was it <laughs> but uh you know i mean like he's he's shown his chops plenty of times since then so it's, it's not yeah, the yeah. worst thing but it's you know it's just like even in small roles like that they get like really good actors which mm-hmm. is why i think really helps going back to seeing a movie like this and liking it you know in 2023 all these years later you know that really holds up um then the other thing too is we talked a little bit about the fight scenes and stuff like um you got to give a little bit of credit to dwight h little like what certainly what what do you think he brought to the to the movie well i mean it sounds dorky to say like a steady hand but you know he you know he knows where to put that camera he didn't get in the way of brandon lee and jeff amata he kind of let them do their 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 thing which was smart um and there's just there's some shots in the movie that just that are that are great like when powers boot takes out the massive shotgun while Brandley's in the car he's shooting at the bad guy's car and then when it hits and flips over like you know it was in every single trailer um because it's an awesome shot like that's the kind of stuff that looks like i mean they were literally in chicago blowing up or wherever they filmed it but blowing up that car on that street so um, I just think he, in, he got good performances out of, out of everybody. Like, again, we mentioned it when you get really good character actors, they can just act and you got, you know, uh, Raymond J. Barry, who's being really, Hey Jake, I'm your friend. Who's this guy? Like you no, you're creepy from the get go. Like, <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, it's really just, man, it's hard to even pinpoint what didn't Dwight H. Little bring to the movie, I guess. Well, he did March for Death, which is my favorite Steven Seagal picture. Mm-hmm. I think that I think that actually, for my money, has Seagal's best action sequences, like the chase in downtown, wherever they are. <laughs> uh, like, it takes place one place, all of a sudden there's palm trees, and you're like, I don't know if this is the place they think there are. Um, but uh, 
I, I love March for Death, and I and I heard, or I should heard, I read that basically because of the success of that movie, they trusted him to do Rapid Fire, mm. which I think worked out in the end because originally they approached John Woo to do Rapid Fire, but uh, it just the movie didn't really speak to him as much, so. You know, he ended up doing hard target. So I think this is a win-win. We got a great rapid fire and we got a great hard target. Exactly. But part of me is kind of like, man, Brandon Lee directed by John Woo. That that sounds Dude, amazing. Shut the front door. <laughs> like there's there's that one scene where he does shoot two guns. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, he's like a natural. Like put him with Charlie and Fat and have them just be like partners and they do some cool stuff. And actually, you know what? change that just make them like uh, you know brandon lee is the undercover cop who's working with the bad guys like hard-boiled but like yeah you know, with brandon lee oh man don't even, yeah <laughs> let's not let's not talk about things that can never happen and i'll be sad no. um no, i, I mean, think one other thing that i was just gonna say when you think of brandon lee shooting those those guns is i do like too the little character beats whenever he has to unfortunately kill somebody like there's like regret and like sadness on his part because he doesn't want to hurt people uh, or kill people and whenever it happens those few times you know when he stabs that first cop like the look on his face you kind of you really feel for the character so that draws you in even more when you see what else he has to go through yeah that's that's what one of the things that he definitely brings to the movie is that moral compass that you can see in his face like when you see him in interviews, you could definitely tell he's a good dude, and he like yeah. he looks out for other people, and I think that really shows in um, this and the crow, especially, you know that the sort of sadness to what he has to do. Um, that's you know just one of the great things about watching those Brandon Lee movies is just the humanity that you don't really get from a lot of people in that particular role. Um, which, which why one of the reasons why I think makes this movie special and stand out is sort of that humanity that people bring to this movie. You know, and they even have a they even have a sex scene in it. Remember when they action do. movies used to have sex scenes? Uh, yeah, I remember sitting there at age 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 twelve with like, oh, my parents are saying, I see this is the most uncomfortable thing in the world. Like, hurry up, get this over with. But then the sex scene is like interspersed with uh, Nick Nakusa's character getting violently murdered. <laughs> yeah, I I rewatched I rewatched that scene because I remember the you know all the the cutting to all the stuff that's going on where um, Ours Booth's character, which by the way is Mace Ryan, it's a great name by the way, <laughs> like wonderful his, cop name. His task force is like can't couldn't capture anyone or it's over or whatnot and. It's just like intercut with them having it's it's a lot more stylish of a movie than you think of. Like mm-hmm. that that's that's like Martin Scorsese stuff right there. Like you totally see Martin Scorsese pulling off something like that. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Dwight H. Little is, you know, Scorsese, but like he no. had he had the the smartness to to have that sort of like yin and yang of here's this nice moment between two people in an intimate setting to like you know people dying and <laughs> losing their job it's very it's very stylish and very interesting it's something yeah. again that's that's what makes it really great stuff you don't normally see exactly one thing scene that always stands out to me during that is when uh you see al 
uh, Leung dressed up like the cop and he just has the, you know, throwing star between his fingers and he's just spinning it back and forth. And like Mancuso's character's like, just get it over with, will you? And he's just like toying with him. And I was like, yeah, it adds to the, you know, to the film and makes you, you know, it earns all those moments for sure. Yeah, that's a great moment too, because you're like, oh, Brandon Lee, Jake Lowe's going to have to confront this henchman guy who like knows how to throw a throwing star, which is like, you know, code for this guy's a badass. Do you know mm-hmm. how to throw a throwing star? Have you thrown a throwing star before? I've, I've tried before. I'm not good at it. And not at any sort of martial art, just me as a dumbass out in the out in the yard with one I bought at some sort of like flea market, <laughs> throwing it at oh, plywood. Yes. The, the flea market throwing star. Everyone. Yep. I had a staple I had, of uh, every, those. yeah, staple of every 80s kids' bedroom. <laughs> I had a, a nunchucks, like these fake nun, nunchucks once. Yeah, where they like, were like foam yeah. on the outside. Yep. Yeah. I had those too. Got those uh, Chinatown ones. I wish I remember what it was, but I had to have been like heavily into Hong Kong movies at that point. Yeah, like, I've, I've trained a little uh nunchucks we talked about it on the uh the john wake four podcast uh um with like wooden ones and but more like choking and trapping because that's the kind of style i currently do um uh a japanese style um of uh jujitsu so nunchucks are super hard to use and they're ridiculously dangerous for you as the person because if you swing too hard i've hit myself in the back head so many times it's ridiculous Oh yeah, I would imagine like if I did that, I would just have bruises all over my my head. I would hit my mm-hmm. I would hit I would do the the thing and it just be boom right in the forehead every time. I'm not quite the most uh, the most realistic thing you could do in a movie if you grabbed them is just put them down and not use them because you would hurt yourself if you were good at them. <laughs> that would actually be kind of a funny spoofy thing in a movie, right? Um, pick it up and be like, nah. But no tricks are cool, like. Honestly, if someone picked up a thrown away, I'd be like, "You're a dork." Right. Unless, unless well, they've got a cooler weapon, but like, what's cooler true. than nunchucks? I don't know. Right now, and, and there's a, I really like the scene in this in Rapid Fire when that guy's using the nunchucks and Brandon Lee just grabs a towel, throws it at him, and then kicks him right in the face. <laughs> yeah, very uh, clever use of like the surroundings that mm-hmm. you know that you would get from Jackie Chan stuff, you know. And here he was doing that. I like when he throws the 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 uh, drawer of cutlery at the dude yeah oh yeah gosh that looks, i'm like I, that's what i gotta do next time someone's trying to kill me i'm throwing cutlery at their face yeah i don't know how that guy didn't get more cut i mean that that still looks like it hurts to me whenever i see that i kind of go i cringe i'm like oh that and the the door getting kicked in the guy's face and his nose over and over again it legitimately looks like that guy's face is just getting pummeled by that door <laughs> yeah there's lots of great little uh funny little moments in this movie you know mm-hmm. that keep it from getting too serious that i particularly enjoy and you know Brandley's very sarcastic i love his sarcastic humor in this movie you know it's just mm-hmm. like you know it's just like i mean if someone's trying to kill you i mean gotta be a little bit loose a little bit so you know i think so you know, but yeah like, like i mean he, he he gets to be a smart ass from the first moment you see him like when the you know the model asks him out on the date and then she says maybe you'll think i'm you know sexier with my clothes on and he's like yeah and then close the door he's like don't bet on it <laughs> it's like little bits like that that i was like man brandon lee had acting chops he had comedic timing the guy had the looks man, he had it all we keep saying it and it's just such a sad thing that he's gone to he's taken too soon but at least we have these movies forever 
that we can go back and watch over and over again and still be entertained all these years later. I saw that Stone Cold was coming to Blu-ray. And I'm like, if Stone Cold could come to Blu-ray, we got to get Rapid Fire on a Blu-ray. Like, there's got to be somebody out there that's, you know, there's like archival interviews and stuff you could throw on there. But like, there's people have watched this movie a million times. Like, you could do audio commentary, you know. Like, we need a Blu-ray of... I, I'm, I'm I think you and I could both do an audio commentary. I'm putting this on the world, guys. We gotta get a rapid-fire Blu-ray. The only problem is, it is Fox. And, you know, Disney kind of screw up the whole Fox model. So maybe we might not. But you know what, though? Yeah. Let's just get him on Disney+. Plus. Make him a princess. Disney princess. That's Brandon Lee right there. <laughs> Disney princess. Yeah. Disney prince. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, I was watching the trailer for this movie for, for rapid fire. Yeah. And, and I was like, man, I don't know how anyone could have seen this trailer back in 1992 before it came out. And I would like, I don't want to see this movie because this trailer was awesome. This had to be one of the best, like Kung Fu martial art action movie trailers I've ever seen. Just like all these great shots of the movie. And then it ends with the theme song. Like, I was like, ready to just like go. Like, I'm like, let's just watch yeah. the movie right now. Um, now, <laughs> I made you watch the trailer, and then you said you went on a on a uh, a down a path of looking at other stuff. What what did you discover from the promotional stuff for Rapid Fire? Oh, n- nothing that I discovered, but I kind of rediscovered. Because the old Fox uh, DVD has a, a actual featurette, and it's got Brandon Lee doing the classic martial artist pose, and it's like meet the 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 new action star for the '90s, and how he was like he was being billed as kind of this next big thing because he he was so different than Van Damme, Seagal, Chuck you know Chuck Norris, and all those guys. So um, that kind of stood out to me was all the little bits, and there's little scenes in those behind the scenes stuff that aren't in the movie. Like he's got a cop, um, he's in the actual biker jacket and he's got a cop with his like uh, nightstick around the cop's throat. And I was like, where's that? I haven't even seen that video what? anywhere. I Wow. There's, there's actually like an uncut version of this somewhere. I bet. What scene do you think it is? Like right after he's getting killed, trying to get you know shot at it. I think it's that, that uh, scene. No. No, because he's in his his like blue jeans and his uh, biker jacket. So I don't know if it like they had a scene where he got in a tussle with the cops before or something. I don't know. It makes it, it really makes no sense with the way that the finished well, movie plays out. Was there anything out. else that you remember seeing? Remember uh, else? Just that they showed some of the cool like uh, him working with the people doing like fight, you know, uh, fight, you know, kicks and punches and various like choreo stuff. So. That that stuff's always awesome to see behind the scenes stuff like that. Yeah, so you had the DVD then, huh? Yes, I have the DVD. I I didn't get the the Blu-ray that came out a few years ago. I I thought about it at the time. I really didn't. I wasn't back into physical media collecting. I just that's kind of been something that I've gotten back into the last year or so. Um, and I passed on it, and now it's like super expensive. Uh, but I've I've owned like five or six different uh vhs copies the dvd i bought it digitally so i i've, I've given rapid fire enough of my money so far 
Well, whenever somebody decides to release it on a Blu-ray special edition, you'll have to go ahead and purchase that one again. I will. Um, which, uh, like, let's be honest, I don't think anyone's going to be twisting your arm for that one. Nope. <laughs> uh, so, rapid fire. So, what came out of seeing rapid fire for you? Like, did it just reinforce your love of martial arts and action? Did it how did it change the course of your life, you think? Yeah, it sounds weird to say a movie would change the course of your life, but it did like uh, open my eyes up to even more like Hong Kong's type stuff to track down. When I heard in certain interviews, like Brandon Lee say that he was, you know, influenced by Jackie Chan and, you know, these other actors that weren't his dad, I went and started finding those. And that was at the time where you could go and get, little you know vhs you know compilations of you know uh fearless hyena other things you know they put a bunch of those together and for every great one there was another there was a not so good jackie chan movie attached to those good times videos but um it just kind of opened my eyes up to that i needed to watch more because i watched like you know bruce lee and stuff like that but i like had to go out and search for it and seek for it and then so rapid fire was 92 so then I get to be 13, 14 and start driving more. And then I'm driving to like Suncoast and media play. And I'm looking through all the different movies and it just kind of, it took a love of action and then just directed it in other ways. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's like, a, this was like a big gateway to a larger world of action cinema, Yeah, which, which you are, you know, a, still a big fan of today. Um, yes, I mean, I love I love Star Wars with all my heart, but I think action is like where my if like I'm ever sitting around and I'm like I don't know what to watch, like action movie. <laughs> all right, so this is a good question I just thought of. What okay. modern movie would you pair with Rapid Fire for a great double feature? Ooh. What what are we considering modern? Like in the last few, like the last ten years or so. Last ten years, okay. Um, you know what? I probably and this sounds like a, it's a real cop out, but I'd probably pair John Wick two with it. John Wick two, interesting. Why is that? John Wick two. Uh, John Wick two. I I the action is just ratcheted up a notch. Um, it's still. Um, there, I don't know. Keanu has kind of a Brandon Lee vibe. They were not that they're similar, but they both have a, a unique screen charisma and a presence. And I just kind of like Keanu has that same kind of don't give a shit that Brandon Lee did. Like when you see him in various interviews, like he was very honest and stuff. And I like that about him. So I, I just think the movies pair well together in terms of this is more, uh, this is what action was at a, at a time when it was changing. And then this is where action is now. And it's still, and then this is causing things to then change and people to adopt some new ways of filming action. So, yeah. I don't know what I would do, but I just thought that Lewis Tan needs to make a movie like Rapid Fire to really kind of hone his very similar uh likeness the likableness that brandon lee has so that's that's what i want to see i want to see lewis tan do a rapid fire style motion picture and i and I've, he definitely has it in him oh totally know. the guy's got it in him yeah um 
I think this also we missed like this was like when Brandon Lee signed on to this, like he this opened up the crow and then they they signed him for like a you know a three a three movie deal. And the last time uh Pressman did that was with Arnold Schwarzenegger when he did Conan. So I this was just this was uh Brandon Lee's just like bubble was about to burst and then unfortunately was taken too soon. But yeah, I think Lewis Tan's got that look. He's got the kind of swagger that Brandon Lee had at times and he can pull off kind of funny and charming too. So yeah, I would love to see that. And there's, there's a lot of great character actors that would go in there and, and put that gravitas to the, to the picture that really mm-hmm. like elevate it, you know, cause totally. like we talked about earlier, one of the reasons why rapid fire is so watchable is the great cast that they have surround him, you know, and Brandon Lee's also a good actor. So you got that combination going so that's that's what I like to see. And if they do do it, I just saw Hardline, who did their theme song, the two main th- songs, actually released a new album last year. So they if they did. do a Lewis Tan movie, gotta get Hardline to do the theme song. Like that would be amazing. Cool that would be amazing because <laughs> look, uh, that Hardline song um, that it finishes the movie at the end credits mm-hmm. is that tune is underrated. Like nobody ever brings that one up, but I love that song with the na na na's going. It's so good. It's in the trailer. Yeah, I know. I I love that. You guys in or you out? We're in. And then na na na. Yeah, it just kicks in. (laughs) Yeah. And they also do the, uh, the, the song when they're um, having, you know, making love, making love. Yeah. (laughs) With, with the stuff uh, going in the, in the, uh, with all the extra stuff great great tunes man like great tunes i was just listening to them in the, the car and i was like kind of in like ah, i'm not the best mood and then i was like yeah i'm in a good mood now you know, more <laughs> more we need more like got you in a happy mood like theme songs to, to action book movies these days we most certainly do um so rapid fire one of one of the more underrated i think in one of the quintessential early 90s action movies that have actually stood the test of time mm-hmm. you know, is, is any other thoughts on rapid fire here before we start slowly wrapping it up no i mean i think we've kind of covered it ad nauseum almost that it's it's it was written for brandon lee you can tell because he's like the front and center and it's like this is the kind of movie that used to be made to like shoot an actor into superstardom. It's like, this guy can be funny. This guy can be charming. This guy can be sexy. This guy can be do action. He can do it all. And this movie gets to show it. And then, um, like you said, there's just excellent character actors, awesome, uh, jazzy synth soundtrack that we get saxophones left and right. Like, you know, those old school, like, you know, timpani drums and stuff like that. It's great. Um, so yeah, I, it's a staple. I watch it multiple times every year just cause I, you know, it's, if I'm bored, I can put it on. And if I doze off, I wake up, I know that I haven't missed anything cause I've seen it so many times. So yeah, I don't have really anything else to add to it. The Christopher Smith is a guy who did the composing to mm-hmm. it. And he apparently a big jazz guy. So they explain the kind of jazz jazzy uh, score mm-hmm. to it 
which I could totally see how they'd be like, oh, John Woo, you'd love this movie. There's there's a jazz score. <laughs> there's a jazz score. <laughs> uh, so since this is your first time on, on the show, I have to ask, how are your physical medias stored in your house? Like what's, what's do you do alphabetical? Like what's the organization oh, sure. you do? Okay. All right. I have um, uh, one of the DVD shelves that holds about 500 um, I've had to scale things back. So I got rid of all my old, my kids old, you know, cartoon DVDs, all that stuff. So the way I have it set up right now is I have box sets in the front. So um, uh, Criterion is the first set and I have those in order. Then I go to the newer stuff that I've gotten like Arrow and, uh, you know, 88 films and Eureka. And I have those alphabetical order. And then after that, everything else is, is um, alphabetical by like martial arts action, then action, then comedy and drama and so on and so forth. Wait, so how do you do Star Wars then? Star Wars goes on the very top shelf with uh, Indiana Jones. So they have their own little special spot up there. And now are you going uh, movie order? Do you have like a special order for the, the Star Wars movies? Nope. They go in, uh, they, I, I put them in uh, numerical order just because it makes life easy. Um, but when people ask me what order they should watch it in, I always tell them to get the full experience like I had, you watch them in release order. But really, that's not true because I saw Empire before I saw Star Wars. So <laughs> that, That's probably something I'll definitely talk about on your Imperial Scum podcast, the experience of watching Empire first. Yep. <laughs> yep. And then what we tell people, what order you should watch them in nowadays, because you know, sometimes with kids, I, I have actually have a friend that watched it and she, she would text me and she'd be like, I can't believe that they're doing this to Anakin. I was like, just, just, just wait. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, things like that. Yeah. Cause that, that is, there's a lot of different opinions and the right way to watch them. There is. Um, I'm of the, the opinion, just watch four five and six, then watch one, two and three, and then watch seven, eight, nine release order. Yep. you know but there's all sorts of but as long, as long as you're happy and enjoying them you know watch however way you want to you know exactly there's 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 too many people out there trying to tell people what to do just as long as you're having fun as long as you're enjoying what you're watching just watch it all right so for to those who want to uh, learn more about you and your you know the plugging time like where, plugging where, they can, time. where, where can they find you online they can find me mostly on Twitter and Instagram, same handle at Andrew M. Gorham. Um, you can find me. Let's see. Vice says he's what he's, he's acting sexy on Instagram and talking shit on Twitter. So you can find me looking average on Instagram and being <laughs> super nice on Twitter. How's that? <laughs> that is, that is, that is very accurate. You're, you're, you're definitely super nice on Twitter and I fall asleep looking at your Instagram. So I have, I have, I have composed and deleted so many snarky tweets. Cause I'm like, ah, no. So I'll just, I'll, I'll just save that for Larry on the, uh, uh, uh discord. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So Andy, thank you for doing the show and talking, uh, why rapid fire is so important for you and just sort of like your story, man. I, it's great. Great to learn more about you, dude. And oh. I, I really appreciate the support that you've always given myself and everyone else that decided to do a podcast so thanks for coming on man hey man thank you appreciate it
All right. Have a good night, everybody.